happy girl. Hello, friends, and welcome back to another podcast of Women at the Well Ministries, where we believe that all of us have to come to Jesus like the woman at the well in John chapter 4. Our highest priority is making God real in your life. Whether you are listening in our app, in your favorite podcasting app, or on our website at watwm.org, we invite you to sit down with us as we look to the scriptures to learn more about God and to strengthen your daily walk with Jesus Christ. Come along on our journey through the scriptures as we focus on the fundamental truth that we must be born again. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, we read in John 3, 3. You cannot hope to spend eternity in heaven or defeat the devil unless you are born again into the family of God through believing in Jesus. The devil wants your soul and will do anything he can to distract you from the truth that you need Jesus. Join Kim in this podcast of Woman at the Well Ministries as she plainly explains the need for salvation and how one can obtain it. For those who are not saved, this will be the most important information you will ever hear. For those of you who are saved and know Jesus as your personal Savior, it will help you tell others how they too can be born again. Hello, and thank you for joining us in this podcast of Woman at the Well Ministries. It's an interesting fact that... Oftentimes, we are told that we are to be the light of the world. And the scripture tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16, he says that. He says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men put a light under a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Then he gives you this commandment that says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. And we often talk about that. I often talk about how we need to be a great witness and how we need to be a light that spreads the light of the gospel to others and allows others to see Jesus in us. But what I have come to realize is that there are a lot of people who really don't know how to share their faith. And a light attracts people to it. And when they get to the light, we have to have something to share with them. And so, of course, as light of the world, we are pointing people to Jesus. But it's also important that we know how to tell people how to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And what I'm finding in my encounters with people is that they just don't quite understand how to do that. And part of that, I believe, is the devil. I believe that the devil tries to make you think that you have to be a theologian, make you think that you've read the Bible from Genesis to Revelations and understood every word of it. And I want to be the first to tell you, if you've not heard this before, that anyone who tells you that they understand every piece of Scripture are simply lying to you. Because the Bible tells us there are mysteries of God that we will never understand. But the Holy Spirit does reveal to us what the Bible has to say to us. But there will always be some things 
that are a little hard for us to understand and a little complex for our finite minds. But when we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal the scripture to us, he will tell us what we need to get from it. But that doesn't mean we will fully understand all of the nuances and all of the complex meanings that a piece of scripture may have. But what I want you to see and understand is that in John chapter 3, verse 3, Jesus answers Nicodemus and says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And in John chapter 3, verse 7, he says, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. These are truths. They are fundamental truths that every individual must come face to face with. And we as Christians have a duty. We're told in Matthew 6.33 to go into all the world and preach and teach the gospel. The gospel is Jesus Christ. What we are preaching and teaching to them is the truth that you cannot go to heaven without a personal relationship with Jesus. Now, I believe that part of the reason that even Christians are a little hesitant to talk about how to be saved isn't because they don't have faith in Jesus. It isn't because they don't think it's important, believe they don't feel confident in how to show someone through the scriptures how to be born again. And my personal opinion is that you got to do that. Because if you're a light, you're going to draw people to Jesus. And when you draw them to you, you need to tell them about Jesus. And you've got to have some things to say. And so over the next few moments, we are going to spend some time helping you be equipped to lead another person to Jesus Christ. Now, when we look at the scriptures that I've read in your hearing already in John chapter 3, we understand that everybody is in need of a Savior. But I wonder how clear we are on the truth that those who do not know Jesus, they don't just miss a rich and wonderful and amazing blessed relationship, but they also commit themselves to hell. And the Bible says in 1 Peter 5.8 that the devil walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And he opens that verse with be sober and be vigilant. You got to be on the lookout because the devil is going to place obstacles in your path and he's trying to devour you. The battle that we're in is real. And the question I lay before you is, does the devil want the soul of those around you, including your friends and family, more than you want to tell them the answer to their problem? See, their problem is, is if they don't know Jesus, they're going to go to hell. As Christians, you know Jesus, and you have the answer. But the question is, are you burdened for their souls? Do you realize that by not having a personal relationship with Jesus, people that you love dearly are going to go to hell? 
unless somebody tells them about Jesus. Have you wondered why they're in your life? Why do you have the friends that you have? Sure, you have things in common with them. Sure, you go to similar places. Sure, you've struck up commonalities and things that you admire. But God has them in your life for a reason, especially if you are a born-again child of God and they are not. He has you there to shine your light, to draw them to Jesus that you might give them the gospel. And if you are someone who's listening to me today and you've never met Jesus personally, you've never asked him into your heart, the next few moments are critical for you because I am going to tell you verse by verse and truth by truth why you have to be saved and how you can be. It's free to everybody and required of all. And today, we're just going to take a walk through this. Because I want you to know that the devil is not going to give up trying to steal the souls of those around you. Our only defense to the devil is a personal relationship with Jesus. Every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit living within them, fighting their battles, leading them, directing them, and teaching them, and supplying their every need. The presence of God in your life is a game-changer. You're no longer helpless against the devil. You have the presence of the Holy Spirit within you. And as a person who has placed their faith in Jesus, you have something greater than anything this world has to offer. See, 1 John 4, 4 tells us this. You're of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, perhaps you don't understand, believer and unbeliever alike, that we are in a battle. Ephesians 6, 12 tells us that for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. You are in a battle. And without Jesus, you are helpless. But Romans 8.37 says that those who belong to God, those who've committed their lives to God, those who have put their faith in God and repented of their sins and allowed him to wash away their sins. They are more than conquerors through Jesus that loves them. See, there are three fundamental truths at work. And here they are. The first one is, the devil is seeking to destroy you, especially your soul. That we find in the first Peter 5.8 where he says that the Lord, when 1 Peter 5, 8, what he says is, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. The second fundamental truth, and the one that we all need to hold on to and realize the importance of it, is this, that God through his son, Jesus, has defeated the devil. We know this from John 3, 16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That is the answer to the sin debt 
each of us have. And the third fundamental truth is this. You must be born again. My friends, John 10.10 reveals a truth to us that every person in this world needs to understand. Let me read this truth to you in in your hearing. It says, the thief cometh not, and that is the devil, but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. We are clearly told that the devil's motive, purpose, and his determined activities in life are simply to kill you, to steal your joy and your happiness and all your blessings, and to destroy you. But in that same verse, he says, but I, meaning Jesus, I am come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. The devil is bad and Jesus is good. That is a simple black and white truth. Those who serve the devil and have not given their life to Jesus will spend eternity with him in the lake of fire in hell In misery, in pain, in anguish, I can't explain to you because words would fail me. Cinematic uh, magic doesn't even give you a glimpse of what hell's really like. Your worst scenes that you've ever seen, the worst turmoil and struggle and trouble that you can imagine or have ever witnessed aren't even a speck on the thermometer of the badness of hell. Friends, hell is real, and hell is real bad. But Jesus, who knew no sin, who did not owe a sin debt, but loved you and me so much that he didn't want you to go to hell, paid the sin debt for you with his life, by shedding his sinless, perfect blood on the cross of Calvary to wash away your sins if you but believe in him. See, it is a fact and a fundamental truth that you cannot defeat the devil without first having a personal relationship with God. We're going to walk through some scriptures which reveal to us the need for salvation And we're also going to talk about how to obtain it. It isn't a mystery. It isn't just for the Bible read. It isn't just for the rich. It isn't just for the poor. It isn't for those who are weak in mind. It is for everybody. And if you tell me that religion is a crutch, I probably would believe you. But salvation is redemption. It is the way out. It is the truth. It is the joy of our life. It is the strength of our life. It is the only truth we know. There's a difference between salvation and religion. And it's about 18 inches. Religion something you carry around in your mind. Salvation is something that dwells and lives in your heart. You see, for those of you who are saved, you're going to learn a tool to help those around you that aren't. And for those of you who don't know him, as Erica said earlier, this is the most important information you're ever going to hear. Because 
In Joshua 24, 15, it is plainly spoken about the choice we have. And it says, and if it seem evil for you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the floods or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So you may think you serve nothing, but you're either serving yourself, which is a form of serving the devil. You're serving some habit, which is a distraction of the devil. But you're serving something. Something is motivating you, inspiring you, and leading you. But the scripture says it must be God, that you can have no other gods before him. You can't have tennis, you can't have golf, you can't have boating, you can't have work, you can't have your significant other, you can't have your children, you can't have your vacation home, you can't have naps, you can't have rest, you can't have animals, you can't have hobbies that are greater than him. All of those things you can have, but they need to be managed and under his feet like we're told in Psalms 91. Our allegiance must be to God. And when you know him, you really know him, that's not going to be a problem. Because you can't help but love him. Because we love him because he first loved us. These fundamental truths are what we're going to go over now. The first one, you must be saved. John 3, 7, again, and your hearing says, Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. The way to salvation is through Jesus and only him. In John 14, 6, Jesus says to them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He's it. He's all there is. You can't get there through Muhammad. You can't get there through Confucius. You can't get there by paying your tithes. You can't get there by doing good deeds. You can't do there, get there by serving another person or any other God. You can't get there by being good because our righteousness are as filthy rags. We can't be good enough for the purity of that city unless we are washed in the blood of Jesus who loves us, cleanses us, leads, guides, and directs us, and sticks closer than a brother. The second fundamental truth as we're beginning to look at these truths that we're talking about is that salvation is a free gift. That's a fundamental fact. The Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The only part you have in it is repentance and belief. We are washed through works of righteousness, which we, he has done, not by anything we have done. It's important that you realize that your status in life has nothing to do with your need for Jesus. We are all equal, and we all come to Jesus like the woman did in John chapter 4 when she came to him with empty vessel, needing filled with Jesus, and she leaves filled to overflowing, and in verse 29 says, come see a man that told me all things ever I did is not this, the Christ. See, when you meet Jesus and you're in his presence, I promise you, everything is different. 
Romans 3.23 is plain. It says we are all sinners in need of a Savior because he says in that verse, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. See, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. That's why he says in 2 Peter 3.9 that the Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men would count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. No human being created in his image was ever intended to spend one moment in hell. But because of the rejection of Jesus Christ, because the long-suffering of him placing friends and family and ministers and things in your life to point you to him, and you keep saying no, on that day when your last breath is breathed and you come face to face with Jesus, my friend, if you have not committed your life to him, if you've not repented of your sins, if you've not asked him into your heart, you will spend eternity in hell a place you never was meant to go by the choice you made. He has sent no one to hell. It's a choice. Every person who inhabits hell made on their own. I promise you, and you can read about it in Luke, anyone who's been to hell would tell even their worst enemy, you don't want to be here. Salvation is available to all. In John 3, 16, we read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. The world, that's every human being. But even more pointedly, he says it in Romans 10, 13, when he says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. God made a way for every person to be saved. He said in John three sixteen, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He follows that up in Romans 5, 8, when he says, but God commendeth his love toward us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus paid a sin debt he didn't owe before we were ever conceived, because he knew that we would need that. And he knew who we were, He knew how we would behave. He knew we would disobey. He knew we would reject. Yet his love for us was so great that we're told in 2 Corinthians 5.21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. When God looks upon us who have given our life to Jesus and allowed Jesus to wash away our sins, He sees the blood. He sees the potential. He sees that we are his children, joint heirs with his son Jesus. That's a transformation that only God can make. And all of us must come to that decision. Choose you this day whom you will serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Have you made that decision? If not, you have to make it. And you need to choose Jesus. There's no reason to not choose Jesus. He's chosen you. You must confess your sins and believe in Jesus in order to be saved. It's really that simple for us. It cost us nothing but cost him everything. 
Romans 10, 9, and 10 gives us the complete process for salvation, our part of the process. It says that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. My friends, it is as simple as A, B, C. See, each of us have a sin debt that must be settled, and the only adequate payment for that sin is the sinless, perfect blood of Jesus. Jesus paid the penalty for the sin debt he didn't know simply because he loves you that much. He wants to spend eternity with you, and he never intended for you to spend eternity in hell. Salvation is available to all, and you can receive salvation and forgiveness of your sins by A, acknowledging you are a sinner in need of a Savior that is documented in his love letter to us in Romans 3.23. If you're wondering if you're a sinner, you are. We were born into this world with a fleshly nature, with a propensity to rebel against God. But if we believe, that's the B, in Jesus, and you place your faith in him and allow him to wash away your sins by believing Jesus to be the son of God that takes away the sins of the world, then you, my friend, can spend eternity with Jesus. You have to acknowledge you're a sinner. You need to believe in Jesus, who is the only payment for sin, because he was tempted like as we are, yet was without sin. He left the splendor of heaven. He didn't bring one royal army. He didn't bring one piece of jasper wall. He didn't bring any gold to take care of himself. He came as a lowly babe in a manger so that we could all relate and we could all believe. And we know this because of John chapter 1, verse 29, and John chapter 3, 16, that he is the Son of God that takes away the sin of the world. And then there's C, confessing to others that Jesus is the Lord of your life. There are some who will gloss what it takes to be saved and just kind of say, you just got to kind of make that decision. If you make the decision in your heart, God asks you to confess it with your mouth. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. And the Bible says in John 10, 28, that it can't be plucked away from you. You have to earnestly believe that Jesus died on the cross for you. You must repent of your sins, which is to turn away from sinful, wicked things, to to have an understanding and a predetermined course of action that you have determined that says, I no longer am a servant of sin. I'm no longer serving my flesh. I'm no longer following the devil, but I, through the help of Jesus Christ and the presence of the Holy Spirit in me that he gives to me when I repent, am serving God, am walking in his light, am living for him, have turned my life over to him, and then he 
in 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that he will make old things pass away and all things are become new and we are new creatures in Christ Jesus, not because of works of righteousness which we have done, but because of the saving power and working transformation of Jesus in us. Jesus renews our minds and our heart, cleans us up on the inside and sets us on the road to glory, teaching us and instructing us and comforting us through the Holy Spirit that daily we may be molded and become more like him. You've got to follow this process. Those of you who want to lead someone else, that's all you got to know. You want them to acknowledge that they're a sinner, to believe in Jesus and why he is the son of God and why his precious blood on the cross of Calvary will save you because he defeated hell, death, and the grave when on that third day he arose. There is no other little G-O-D that can boast about dying and then coming back. Jesus resurrected and he took the keys of hell and he was victorious by his power and his might. Jesus is the one and true living God. If you go to the grave of Muhammad, there are some remains there. If you would go to the grave of Confucius, there are some bones there. If you would go to the grave of Buddha, there's some remains there. But if you go to the grave of Jesus, he's not there because he rolled the stone away and he is alive and is living. And he lives inside the heart of every believer. And he's gone to heaven, we are told in John chapter 14. And he's building a mansion for you. He says, in my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you may be also. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Heaven was created for us to spend eternity in a place where there's no tears, no pain, no suffering, no death. Where the walls are of jasper, the gates are of pearl. Where there is no darkness and Jesus is the light. The Bible says that eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard what lies in store for them that love the Lord. It is more than the antithesis of what hell is. But it is awaiting every individual who will turn their heart and life to Jesus. It's my prayer and the prayer of woman at the well ministries that you know Jesus personally that you know him as your savior and if you've not asked Jesus to come into your heart and to take away your sins then the invitation is extended for you to do so right now for you to acknowledge your sins for you to believe in Jesus as your savior and for you to confess who he is Jesus made it plain in his love letter to you the scriptures, the greatest love letter ever written, that he wants to save you. And if you understand that you're a sinner in need of a Savior and you want Jesus to come into your life, then earnestly 
meaning it with every fiber of your body, ask him to do so. Jesus will hear any prayer of a repentant sinner. But just in case, you might be wondering, just how do I get started? What do I say? Here, my friend, is something you can use. But again, I submit to you, Jesus saved me, worked for Peter when the waves were crushing over him, and he immediately reached down and saved him. A heart that understands who Jesus is in regards to him being a sinless, perfect Lamb of God who died to take away the sins of the world, who loves you enough to die for you. If you understand that and ask him to come into your heart and save you, he will. But you can pray this prayer. Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner and that I cannot get to heaven on my own. I acknowledge that I need you to save me. I understand that you can save me because you are the sinless, spotless Lamb of God who willingly took my place on Calvary because you love me. I understand that it is your blood that washes away my sins, and by placing my faith in you, I can receive the cleansing for my sins. Lord, I'm sorry for my sins. Jesus, come into my heart and wash away my sins. Dwell inside of me in the form of the Holy Spirit and lead me and guide me and direct me. Jesus, I love you, and I commit my life to you. I am no longer a servant of sin but a follower of you. Thank you, Jesus, for saving my soul. Amen. If you prayed this prayer and you would like more information regarding being a Christian and next steps to take, or you need a Bible, or you just need someone to talk to about it, you can contact me at watwm.org. I will happily walk you through scriptures, guide you as you pursue a personal relationship with him. Remember, you are loved. Jesus loves you. Thank you for joining us in today's podcast. You can visit the show notes for quotes from today's podcast and scripture references. We pray today has been a blessing, and we encourage you to reach out to us through our app, our website, or our Facebook page. You can find our app by searching for Woman at the Well Ministries in your app store or through our website at watwm.org. We're on Facebook at facebook.com watwm. If you visit our website, you'll be able to subscribe to Bible Bits, a daily devotion written by Kim and delivered Monday through Friday by text message. Woman of the Well Ministries is a nonprofit organization dedicated to serving our Heavenly Father, and it is through your loving and generous support that our ministry continues to bless others. To learn how to partner with Woman at the Well Ministries, please visit our website. Thank you to the gospel group Fudge Creek for letting us use their hit song, Happy Girl. We greatly appreciate your prayers. We are praying daily for our listeners. Remember that God loves you. You are loved.
Girl. 